Let's, let's bow our hearts in prayer. Father, we, uh, we thank You for what You have secured for us through Jesus Christ, Your Son. We thank You that though the winds of doubt blow and tear our sails apart, that Christ is our anchor who holds us fast. We thank You for the security we have in a Savior who is our Good Shepherd, who lays His life down for us, who holds us in His hand and no one can remove us from His hand. And Lord, we have all this security. We have all this peace that You have secured for us, that You give us by Your grace, and we still hit the panic button and freak out when things happen. I know I do. And so, Lord, we, we join the words of the Father whose Son needed Your healing touch in saying, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I pray that You would forgive us for the times we doubt You and build in us a faith. that is as solid as the rock it is built on. The rock of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. One of my more annoying habits, or, or so I hear, uh, is that while watching a suspenseful movie, show, film, whatever you want to call it, I try to guess what's coming up. I try and figure out what the suspenseful turn is going to be, the thing that's supposed to catch you off guard. I, I just get a kick out of trying to guess what that is. And sometimes I'm really good at guessing what it is. And so I lean over to my bride and I say, you want me to ruin it for you? She doesn't like that. And I know I am the worst uh, it's easy, though, to get so immersed in the narrative of fiction that, that the threats within that story that you're watching create that startle, create that gasp in you. You go, oh, I didn't see that coming. And it's really fun in a show, and, it, and it's just terrifying when it happens in real life. And This week, we celebrate our Independence Day. Um, on about Monday or Tuesday, a good friend of mine dropped his son off to be a cadet at West Point. And he showed a video of the, the West Point, you know, when they bring in all the students, the orientation day. And uh, they had the president of West Point speaking. And in it, he said, we vow to defend our Constitution from all threats, foreign and domestic. And there's a unique threat that comes from the domestic and a unique danger to it because we don't always see it coming. When Benedict Arnold was winning battles in the Revolutionary War and climbing the military ranks and eventually becoming governor, no one could have expected that he would try to outright give a military base to the British. We assume our enemies will attack us from the outside. 
and we work diligently to not let those attacks come, uh, those threats come to fruition. But the enemy from within, the one that seems to hold the same values, the one that seems to have the same goals as us, is surprising and potentially much more dangerous. And the church is far from safe when it comes from threats. We, we assume the outside threats of following Jesus. When we, when we say, I'm going to follow Jesus, we, we say, I'm going to take up my cross and follow him. And we just, we, we openly admit that the world is going to reject us, that they're going to hate us because they've hated Jesus. This is what we sign up for. This is what Jesus, this is Jesus's altar call. Take up your cross and follow me. The world hated me. It's going to hate you. But it's when those threats come up from within the church that it hurts a little more. And Paul warns of this. He tells the Ephesian elders to be on the lookout for wolves in sheep's clothing. He also condemns those who trouble the church by saying the resurrection had already happened and other forms of false teaching. Throughout church history, we, there have risen false teachers. Today they still exist. And John is writing to this church, and in this portion of this letter, he comes straight after this threat of false teaching in its various forms. So let's read, starting in verse 18 of 1 John chapter 2. Children, It is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not from us. For if they had been from us, they they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because there's... Sorry, I I forgot how to read. And because no lie is in the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise He has made to us. Eternal life. I write these things about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing you have received from him abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as it is taught you abide in him I think the first part of John's instruction here is that in the presence of a theological threat we do not panic. And that's what they were facing was this theological threat. This wasn't the, the Roman Empire coming in to wipe them out. This, this wasn't the, the worshipers of Zeus getting in a mass hysteria and coming to stone them all. 
This was a theological threat coming in, the, the Antichrist. And he, and he opens up here and he says, this is the last days. And what I, what I admire about John here is, is you don't sense a panic in his tone, but he just clearly calls a spade a spade. This is what it is. This is, it's the last days. In the last days, ever since Jesus left, believers have lived with the expectancy that they will see him return, and we are no different. Jesus said he would return like a thief in the night, and we should be ready. We read the scripture where Jesus says, here's the signs of the coming, and it's, and we read it, and we think, well, this could happen in our lifetime. It could happen after our lifetime, but it could very well happen in our lifetime. He says he's coming like a thief in the night, and he, and he says that we as his followers should be ready. While we know God is patient in his returning, that none should perish, we, we also live with readiness and urgency about the mission and the expectancy of his glorious return. So these are the last days. And he says the Antichrist is coming, and so now many Antichrists have come. Paul teaches about a man of lawlessness. John in Revelation writes of one who is in power, who has this uh, global level of influence and blasphemes Christ. Many times throughout history, many have been accused of being the Antichrist. They've accused different leaders based on their level of power or their relationship or lack thereof to the church or their relationship, or lack thereof, to the nation of Israel. As a teenager, I learned that whoever's president and of not your preferred political party, they're most likely the Antichrist. Um, that was like the, the clear voice coming uh, from, from my observation. Everyone was like, Clinton's the Antichrist. And then all the other people were like, no, Bush is. And then it just kept growing. And so I figured, well, that's just the, the automatic assumption. And so we, a lot of people are on the lookout for the Antichrist, but we forget that there are many Antichrists who have already come and who do come. These are people who use teaching and influence to oppose or contradict the person, deity, or teaching of Christ and the saving work of Jesus. He says in here, he, he says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. And John is drawing a distinction here. Because these antichrists, a lot of times they, they take on the form of, of someone who looks real likable from a Christian standpoint. Oh, they're a pastor of such and such community church. They've written these books, they've made these videos, they've sung these songs, they were part of this movement, and we can say, oh, you know, I, I don't agree with everything they say, but the, you know, I don't agree with everything every Christian says, so they're part of the body of Christ. But then as they grow in influence, their teaching continues to divert, so you realize that while their, their starting look was very convincing of someone who is a man or woman of God, by the time they, they get to where they're actually at on who Christ is. It, it doesn't look like the scripture anymore. And, and maybe it, it sounds a lot like Satan in the garden saying, well, did God really say? 
They cannot be trusted. We need to remember what Jesus said about Satan. He is the father of lies, and when he lies, he speaks his own language. And there are so many times when we'll say that outright, Satan's the father of lies, but then we don't go through the steps of John of just calling a spade a spade and saying, well, that person, they're very winsome, but they're not speaking truth. And so I'm not going to let them influence my heart and mind. Early in my marriage, my wife and I were out shopping for a car. And we went to a used car dealership, and everything I'm about to tell you is true. It was a small dealership in a small town in northwest Iowa, not the one we lived in. And this, we're looking at a car. There was a car that the make and model was what my wife was looking for. And he came out, and this guy, tight black jeans, shirt, I feel like had some sort of like bad desert print, Dallas Cowboys hat, Fu Manchu mustache, mullet, big belt buckle, ostrich skin boots. He went by the name Fast Eddie. I, I took one look at this guy. He goes, hi, I'm Eddie. What car are you like? And, and we were like, well, we were kind of interested in that Honda. He goes, I bought it because it's purple. Purple's my favorite color. Again, I'm not kidding. I'm not making any of this up. There was no way I was buying a car. I would not have bought a matchbox from that guy. Like, there's, there's nothing. Like, I'm like, you're going to lie to me. Like, you, I could not have typecasted a better sleazy used car salesman than you, but you're not typecasted, you're real. Like, there's no way I was buying a car from him. Everything I saw about that guy, like, just reeked of, like, you sell lemons. Like, you're, this is Bad Car USA. And we can have that much instinct about a used car salesman. And someone who is winsome, who stands on a platform, who has a really nice PowerPoint presentation, really good mannerisms, maybe intellectual. And we'll hear what they say and we think, well, that doesn't sound like Scripture, but I'm really intrigued in knowing more. And these antichrists, they come in and they just start taking people captive. And they say, well, Jesus was a good shepherd, but let me tell you what he was really like. And then they deviate from Scripture. Paul tells us, he tells Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine so that you may prolong the life of your listeners. And so for those of you who are in leadership, we have a lot of teachers in this church. With our adult Bible fellowship system, we have a lot of Bible teachers in this church. Watch your life and your doctrine. Your doctrine matters. And for those of you who are not teachers, watch the life and the doctrine of those you listen to. As though the length of your life depends on it, because it does. Your soul depends on it. Know who they are. Know who the fast eddies of theology are and deny them influence. Look for teachers. 
Look out for teachers who are going to try to teach you something new about Jesus or something old about Jesus that has been kicked out of the church's heresy in a way that alienates you from the body of Christ. Oh, you know what? The church is doing so much wrong. We're going to do this new thing over here that's distinct from the church. Because this is the body of Christ Jesus really wants. He doesn't want that. And watch out for those teachers. But you notice that John doesn't panic. He doesn't say, when this happens, go into full doomsday prepper mode, hide in your basement, batten down the hatches. No, he says this. They are not from us, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. Rather than panic, we hold on to the truth. I write to you, going on in verse 21, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is in the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. We need to remember that Jesus is the Lion of Judah. And you don't defend a lion by stepping in front of it and fighting for it. You defend a lion by letting it out of the cage. When the lies come, the best way to answer a lie is with truth. And so he says here, he goes, there's these antichrists. And we could shrink back in fear and say, oh no, they're very, they, they have more degrees than Fahrenheit. They have this convincing teaching. They have this ancient knowledge that I didn't read in history class. What am I to do? And he, instead of saying, oh, well, you need to go take these classes at seminary so you can account for, and, and know how to answer them. He just says, you've been anointed by the Holy One. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You have knowledge. You don't need all this other stuff. You just need the truth and you know it. It's right here. The Holy Spirit is in your heart. When you entered into salvation, something happened in you called regeneration. Where your heart was made alive because the Holy Spirit of God made you a temple for His worship. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have been anointed by God through His Holy Spirit. You don't need all this other stuff. We don't need to fall for Pastor Fast Eddie, nor do we need to be afraid. We need to speak the truth. They were facing, these believers were facing attacks on the person and work of Jesus. That Either he didn't take on flesh at all, he didn't come, or that he, there was a guy named Jesus, but he wasn't the Son of God. The attack we face on Jesus is, is essentially the same. Maybe it's repackaged, maybe it has more glitter on it. 
But it's that Jesus, he didn't intend to be a savior. He didn't intend to be worshiped the way he is. He was just a good man. And people just made him more than he intended to be. And he never, he never claimed to be God. He never, you know, these are the lies that people come up with. That, that he, you shouldn't worship Jesus. He was just a guy. Or, or the, the lie that Jesus was a prophet, but he wasn't Lord. He wasn't the Son of God. And John clearly says that's the Antichrist teaching. That's the spirit of the Antichrist at work in people. Or the teaching that we have today that Jesus has some, become a means to an end, that living and accepting a, that we should, we should have a certain level of wealth or prosperity or health because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so we, again here, John points to our anointing. In fact, throughout this passage, he appoints to our anointing three different times. And I think that's worthy to note. That we have been given the Holy Spirit of God, and that's no small thing. That is not something to gloss over. He has given you His Spirit. So do not grieve the Spirit by following after your own desires. Do not quench the Spirit by refusing to listen to His leading. But use the gifts He's given you. Listen to His prompts. Follow His leading. Have faith that what God has put in your heart is sufficient. That He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. Apply the truth of Christ to your life. Hold on to that truth. Speak that truth. That Jesus is the Son of God. Co-creator with God in heaven. Co-creator with God in heaven. He became a man. He took on flesh. He died on the cross. He was your sacrifice so that you are forgiven of your sins. And you're forgiven of your sins because of God's grace. Not because you've earned it. That His righteousness has become yours. So that on your bad days, you can know that your salvation isn't at risk. You were saved by grace. You couldn't be good enough to earn it. You're not going to be bad enough to lose it. And then when God looks at you, He sees the righteousness of Christ. And that Jesus presently is seated at the Father's right hand. He is your high priest. He is your advocate. He's praying for you and that he is the good shepherd who holds you in his hand, that nothing can separate you from his love. And these lies that we hear about Jesus, what they do is they threaten our confidence that Jesus is enough. They threaten our confidence that Jesus has secured us. Hold to the truth that has been put in you. You are forgiven. You are secure. And no antichrist can take that away from you. No lie from Satan can take that away from you. 
And we were singing earlier about the storms of doubt that come through, and if we're a ship, they tear our sails. And I felt that pain myself. But Jesus is not the Santa Claus in the movie Elf where he requires me to believe in him in order for him to be powerful. He is the savior of the world. He is the creator of the world. He is the sustainer of the world. And my doubt does not make him less powerful. And praise be to God for it. He's bigger than my doubt. He's bigger than your doubt. So in the presence of the theological threat, we do not panic. Rather than panic, we hold on to the truth. And as we hold on to the truth, we continue to relearn the truth. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. I'm telling you about the Antichrist, but the anointing you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. I remember when Rob Bell came on the scene. And there were these NUMA videos. And it was like Christians had never seen well-done video production before. And he was so winsome. Even though he had, like, after like five videos, you're like, can you stop saying things in a whiny tone? Um, or at least I was. But he was so winsome. There were these things about these teachings in Jesus' ministry that we didn't realize before. And there was some truth in it. And it had really powerful imagery. And people were like, oh man, there's a new NUMA video coming out. We were all freaking out and clamoring for it. And then a couple things in the video started to not sound right every now and then. And then he came out with a book. And in the book... He said, our faith is like a trampoline with a whole lot of springs holding it together. And, and if you remove a spring here or there, the trampoline doesn't come apart. But sometimes we overreact to someone questioning one of those springs. And then he proceeded to say, basically, maybe the virgin birth isn't a literal physical virgin birth. Maybe it's a nuance of terms and it's more about semantics than anything else. And maybe, maybe it's not what we thought it was. And I don't know why that wasn't the end of, of the Rob Bell fascination. And he's gone on to say, hell is just something we experience here on earth. And he's gone on to become Oprah's best friend. I don't know how. But there was a moment in there early on where he said, oh, there's, there's a chance Jesus has an earthly father. And instead of saying, 
Well, according to John, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. A lot of people said, well, I want to know more about this knowledge I don't have. You have no need to go find the knowledge that's not in Scripture. You have no need. Sometimes we just, we're so hungry for that person who will tell us the magic thing that we go to the fast studies of the theological world. And John is again saying, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. You have the truth. Continue to look at that truth over and over and over again. There's no lie in that truth. We don't need to settle for teachers who are willing to say, did God really say that you would die the moment you touch this fruit? Because it's the same exact voice. We need to fill ourselves with God himself. We don't need someone with special knowledge. We need the Holy Spirit leading us in truth. And there are some things that are worth hearing over and over and over again. Like God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. that the Word of God took on flesh and made His dwelling place among us, and that the light of the world came into the world. These are things we need to hear over and over again. You know, just a little bit ago in, in 1 John, he talked about these generations. He says, writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know Him who is from the beginning. And there's such a treasure in having Christian maturity around us that when false teaching comes up, they can say, that's not right. It doesn't smell right. I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to tolerate that because I know Him who is from the beginning. And so let's find the spiritually old men and women among us and let's learn from them about Him who is from the beginning. So how do we continue to relearn? What does this continual abiding look like? Because he, he tells us over and over again that we should be abiding in the Son and the Father. It's all over this passage. The anointing that you receive from, from Him abides in you. So we have the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And we need to abide in Him at the end. So how do we do this? Find a reading plan for you to go through on, on your phone or, or, or find something that gets you in the Word daily. Find a prayer partner. Maybe it's someone from work who's a believer. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your sibling. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone in this room. Find someone that you guys are praying together, that you're texting throughout the week. Hey, I have this coming up. Please be praying for me. That you're meeting to pray. Maybe find someone who can do the same reading plan with you so that you have some accountability that you're in it daily and talking about it to get more out of it. B. 
Be involved in an adult Bible fellowship. Find friends who meet regularly and, and make sure that Christ is part of your conversation. About a month or so ago, I was in a meeting and Marvin Hurd was in that meeting and Marvin Hurd started talking about discipleship and he, and he gave this great line. Don't overestimate what can happen in a year and underestimate what can happen in five years. So many times we're like, oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go hard after this. And we get like three months in and there's no change or little change and so we just give up on it. Don't think too much of what can happen in one year, but don't think too little of what God can do in five years. Keep after it. Read from other believers who have finished well or who appear to be finishing well, not just what's trendy. Find good preaching and listen to it. Listen to guys like H.B. Charles and Vody Bauckham, Tim Keller, Matt Chandler. Find good preaching. Use that for your drive time. You know, so I'm cheap and I don't have cable. And those two things go together hand in hand. So a lot of my entertainment needs have been filled by an antenna TV and I've, I've gotten really good at finding the right position for an antenna. And when we, we moved a year ago, we're on the back side of a hill from where the direction the antennas come from. So we were struggling to get the channels that we had before. And so I had bought different antennas. We had an antenna that was working good, and I got up from the couch one wintry night when the air is really dry and static's everywhere, and I went to adjust the antenna, and it, my finger zapped it and shorted out the antenna. So I, I might have superpowers. <laughs> um, still trying to harness that. And so we, we thought, okay, what we need is to get an antenna up in the attic. And there's... There's enough coaxial cable in my house from the previous owner to go all the way down a football field and about a quarter of the way back, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. So I thought, well, I have coaxial everywhere. I'll get an antenna in the attic. We'll find out what coaxial goes where. We'll run it to the TVs. This will be great. So I, I had bought this big, bulky antenna off the Internet, and I, was, I had a friend coming over, and so we started. He goes, well, where do you want it in the attic? And we, we go up in the attic. And there in my attic is an antenna that's like eight feet long. Hooked up to a splitter with cables going down to my basement. And we hooked the TV up to one of the cables, and there's all the channels. Channels I didn't even know existed. I had spent so much time and money trying to get everything I needed for this house to be able to watch TV with channels that shouldn't be on TV because there's really nothing good on them. And, and everything I had was already in the house. And how often do we go searching after the next Christian self-help book? Go searching after the next trendy preacher or craze? Oh, if I just have this, then my, my, my soul will grow and I'll have the thing I need. I'll have that thing I'm chasing. God has put His Holy Spirit in your heart. You don't need all those things. You don't need 
all those fancy people. Yeah, some, some podcasts can be really helpful to your faith. You don't need that. For centuries, God's people have gotten by with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God just fine. He's given you everything you need. So when those threats come, we don't need to panic. We don't need to run to the bookstore. We don't need to run to the podcast. We need to drop to our knees. We need to pray. We need to let the peace of God control and the truth of Christ dictate. You have everything you need. Hold on to the truth and relearn the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are a good father, and that as a good father, you give good gifts to your children and that you have given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would be better at listening to the prompts of the Holy Spirit, that our hearts would be soft, and that we would be willing to listen and willing to be obedient to those prompts. Lord, we pray that you would guide us, that you would continue to preserve us as your church and help us to be fruitful for your name's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.